The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Hello and welcome to Coffee Break. We're trying something very exciting and different today. I am in New York via Skype and we have a live quote-unquote studio audience joining us from Palo Alto at a special SAP event. So I'm going to launch right into our topic and then we will have our usual panel of exciting and very, very smart expert speakers and we will have smart people from the audience join us as well. So the topic today is an old-fashioned question and we're looking for very new-fashioned answers. The question, what's in a name? Plenty for today's CIO. Given this tech leader's dynamically evolving and game-changing role, they could have earned the I in CIO for bravery as an astute integrator, a game-changing innovator, a guru of infrastructure, I'm not out of eyes yet, or a master of intelligence, or perhaps some of each. But I'm going to propose that it might be time to make over the title from CIO to something brand new, CCEO, Chief Customer Experience Officer. So if we put all this alphabet soup aside, who would be best suited for this role? It's a transformed role, but it's also, most important of all, transformative. When I think about this enormity, I think about Superman or Superwoman. So these are the traits that come to my mind. It would have to be a bold, progressive, fearless IT leader, not afraid to take on tough challenges head on. Would also have to be a strategic thinker, more than tactical, whose vision enables business agility to scale to new heights company-wide. You with me? And a positive interaction advocate who deftly pulls down those traditional walls between the IT department and the business units. Sounds like a tall order to me. Definitely not for an amateur to try at home. So today I have four experts who will discuss the evolving roles, goals, and the soul of today's tech leaders. And as I said, we'll be taking questions from our live studio audience at SAP's Customer Experience Innovation Workshop for Technology Leaders and CIOs. So pour yourself a cup of Joe Earl or OJ and join us for Food for Thought on today's big topic, 21st Century Tech Leaders, What's in a Name? So let's find out why we're here. Let's kick off this party with Michael Krigsman from Assura. Michael, you've been on the show with me before. I'd like to welcome you back. How are you today? Great. Good morning. Good morning. It's it's much earlier there in Palo Alto. So let's start with history. Everybody likes to start with the building blocks, Michael. Let's start with the history of the relationship between the CIO and their IT department and the business units and the rest of the company. What's the story here? Well, I think it is important to begin with the history. You used to words like bold and innovative and breaking down barriers and exciting, and you positioned that as the place where we want CIOs to move. And so that implies that today maybe there's not as much boldness and excitement uh, and breaking down barriers as we would like. And so to Mm. understand that shift, it is very helpful to look back and see where did we come from. Now, today we're very used to personal computers surrounding us, and we all know how to type, and we're all experts at spreadsheets and Facebook and and everything else. But if we go back 20 years, 30 years, to the introduction of computing into the business environment, at that time there were no personal computers. At that time, you had the world of big, big blue, right? Big machines, mm-hmm. very often painted blue from IBM. 
And those machines were, were very complicated to operate. They were expensive to run. They needed specialized facilities with air conditioning and so forth. And the people who used those machines, who knew how to operate them and how to get something valuable out of them, were sometimes referred to as the high priests of computing because it was a very specialized environment. And there was really no concept that someone from you know, the marketing department, for example, mm -hmm. or the sales department would somehow use these machines because it was so specialized. And the education of the, and the training of the people who ran these machines, these, these high priests and occasionally high priestesses, Thank you. Was, was, again, very, very specialized. So it made perfect sense that that sector of the business, namely the technology sector of the business, supplying this technology infrastructure to the organization, it made perfect sense that those folks would be separate and apart from the running of the main aspect of the business. Okay. Okay? Now, if we fast forward today where personal computing is ubiquitous and all of us are, in effect, computing experts, the notion of separate and apart doesn't really make any sense in today's world. Yet we still have a culture that derives from those early days of computing. And that's, in okay. a nutshell, the, the, the history that lays the foundation for today's conversation. Thank you, Michael. That's a great historical look back, and it makes all sense. And I just have to throw in a little piece of trivia here. I hear that typewriters are coming back. They are the rage, and typewriter shops with vintage typewriters, are their business is absolutely booming. People are looking for old-fashioned designer typewriters, but that's not really our topic today. Let's move over to Ray Wong from Constellation Research Group. Ray, welcome. Delighted to have you back on the show with me. You're another repeat visitor to Coffee Break, and why don't you take us into the tension part. How, how bad is this tension? Is this an Excedrin headache? Can it be cured that way or what do you think? Well, there's a tremendous amount of tension that's happening between the business side of the house and the technology side of the house. And this continues because of consumerization of IT. Uh, and we talked a little bit about this before, right? The business side of the house wants things to be simple, right? No manuals, uh, no instructions, something easy to use. They want things to be scalable. Um, can I do this without the IT side of the house? Can I mm -hmm. do this and add users? Can I make changes? Uh, and then they want things sexy, really appealing, get the users excited about applications. The problem is the IT side of the house has a responsibility, and they've got to go out and make things safe, right? You don't want to take out another system. They've got to make things secure. Uh, you don't want to be on the front page of the Wall Street Journal on a data breach. <laughs> and they've got to make things sustainable, not the green fluffy stuff, but hey, can we build out a system that we can use three to five years from now? Can we leverage the infrastructure investments that we make? That natural tension that's happening between IT and business works like this. If business succeeds, IT will fail. And if IT succeeds, you'll have no business. Mm. And that in itself is just scary. And so this pendulum swings every five years from one side to the other. We're just emerging from the part where if IT succeeds, business fails because there are a lot of businesses that are surrounded by IT and infrastructure that isn't helping them, that isn't working, which is why business is starting to take back some of that control. And so when you think about a chief customer experience officer, they're sitting around and we've got this great client that's uh, in the entertainment industry, basically mm -hmm. really mad at a CIO. And what he wants to do is bring everything back, the databases, the marketing applications, the website, because he's tired of his CIO not getting the job done. The CIO, on the other hand, is thinking, oh, my God, I've just spent all this time trying to get everything straightened out, trying to get infrastructure in place, but, you know, it's not working. And so this natural tension is, is I think everybody's living through it right now. Interesting. So it's a pervasive condition, and we're looking for a solution, and we're hoping we can solve this problem on a very important and perhaps a global basis and come up with some really good ideas for moving this ahead to resolution today. With that, I'm going to move over to Dr. Henry Chesbro from the Center for Open Innovation, and Henry is the creator, the innovator, the founder of the term Open Innovation. Welcome, Henry, to the show. How are you today? 
Well, Bonnie, it's a pleasure to be with you for the very first time. Yes, we have a newbie here. So we have about three minutes left in this segment. Henry, why don't you take us through the part about why do we care? So I think uh, Michael and Ray have really already provided an answer to this. We we care because business, I think, uh, is committed to serving customers, and customers' demands and expectations have really accelerated as a result of the consumerization of IT. We all carry smartphones now, and we want to use those smartphones not just to play games and log in on Facebook, but we want access to our corporate emails, the corporate calendar. We want to be able to set up and even invoke processes remotely to be able to tell our customers uh, the status of events. And because we have these wonderful devices that are incredibly powerful, uh, we all expect at the very edge of the networks to have tremendous functionality and capability now. So it's a powerful tool for business, and it's exciting what you can achieve with your customers as a result of these devices. But the IT folks, that, as Ray said, have to make sure it all works, have to make sure it's secure, have to make sure that the data you see are the correct data up to the minute Mm -hmm. uh, and so forth. Uh, There are tremendous strains being pressed on this, but if we can accommodate and resolve these, Uh, the benefits uh, for the business are astounding. Henry, you're talking about the right data at the right time. We've covered analytics on previous shows, and I'm wondering in your experience and from your perspective as the creator of the term and the concept, open innovation, do you believe in real time or right time in terms of what the goal of today's tech leader should be? How hard do they have to work to get that data? How fast to get the right data to the right people at the right time to make this all come together? Because I see them as the hero here. Am I right? Yes, and I think uh, the bad news is I think we do expect the data to be real and to be right. Uh, we don't, we don't expect, accept or expect anything different than that. Uh, we don't have the equivalent of please hold uh, that we had from the days of the telephone switches uh, when we were trying to get access to data and people had to go bring it up on a system and then read it out to you over the phone. Uh, we expect now when we've got that device in the palm of our hands and we access it, that is, in fact, the data. So, uh, again, the expectations are quite high. But, Bonnie, the other point I want to make before we go to the break is mm-hmm. there's a tremendous interest here in the new business models that are going to be developed to enable all this. And this is another source of both tension and opportunity between the IT folks and the business units. Yesterday at our conference, we talked about an organization that began as a moving company in New York City, and as a result of that and their customers' needs for how do they deal with their wine, they began a wine storage business, and after they started storing wine for some of their more affluent customers, they realized they could also take the same conditions and customer relationships and start storing art for these customers, and they didn't even stop there because their clients have all this art and not enough display space in their apartments, so they actually manage the rotation of art objects in the homes of their customers now, all of this from a company that started out in a moving storage business. Can Brilliant. you imagine the demands that puts on your IT to be able to accommodate those kinds of strategic shifts? I'm hearing open innovation. I'm hearing visionary. I'm hearing an open thinking mindset. I'm hearing a wow of brilliance, Henry. That You're right. New business model is wide open. Let's see what we can do and let's see what the customer experience is asking us for and how can we make it the best possible. On that high note, I'm going to head to break. I'm going to thank our three speakers so far, Michael Krigsman, Ray Wong, Dr. Henry Chesborough, and a quick shout out to Margot Heiligman for helping us get this all off the road here and to Jerry Kirkpatrick at Palo Alto. We're going to go to break now. When we come back, we're going to take some tweets here. We've got Kelly joining us for the first time on Twitter on Pound Sign SAP Radio Coffee. We've got a tweet from Kristen, from Wendy, and from Jeff. And we're going to find out what our panelists are drinking today in Palo Alto. And then we're going to head into an overview, a little deeper dive into conference day one highlights with Henry to kick us off. And Reza Sudagar will be joining us in the second segment. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more not just in it for profit but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways listen for be more achieve more inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host chris cooper you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with a passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance these people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more be more achieve more can be heard live fridays at 8 a.m u.s pacific time on the voice america business channel No family can survive on two incomes anymore, let alone one. If you are supplementing your family's income working from home, then tune into The Cash Flow Show, Direct Sales Radio. Host Deb Bixler brings you sales tips, lead generation systems, and best business practices that guarantee direct sales success. Whether you're looking for a little extra cash or a career change, The Cash Flow Show, Direct Sales Radio, will give you proven systems that will work in your home business. The Cash Flow Show. Show every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Yes, let's get back. We're broadcasting live uh, coast to coast today. I'm in New York, and we're talking to a great panel and a live audience in Palo Alto, California, at SAP's Customer Experience Innovation Workshop for tech leaders and CIOs. But first, a little housekeeping here. We have some coffee break favorites to read on the show. Kelly is joining us. Thank you so much, Kelly, for following the show. She's drinking coffee, just pure and simple. Kristen is in Miami. She says it's rainy there. Boo-hoo. And she's drinking a cup of hot cocoa, girl after my own heart. Wendy is also in Miami. Wendy has the most creative coffee break drinks. Today she's drinking a strawberry banana smoothie and listening to her favorite radio show. We love you too, Wendy. And Jeff, I believe, is in Boston. He's brewing another pot of Starbucks dark espresso. I know Malcolm's on the road probably with a big steaming mug of Equator coffee from somewhere. So let's ask our studio, our our live studio audience, uh, Michael Krigsman. What are you drinking today? I just had a cappuccino. And I have to nice. say, here, here in Palo Alto, I'm from Boston, it is gorgeous. It's like spring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. You're making me jealous. I think we're expecting a little more of the white stuff here in New York. And Ray Wan, what are you drinking today? I had a Oddwalla, Blueberry Monster, this morning. <laughs> you have to tell me more. You can't just say Blueberry Monster. What is that? Uh, it's a blueberry smoothie, so... Very nice. I like the name. Dr. Henry, what drinkest you today? I had a straight-up coffee, shaken, not stirred. I like it. Is that full strength or decaf like me? Uh, that, was, that was full charge to get things started. All right. Appreciate it. Good man. And Reza Sudagar, welcome. What are you drinking today? I know you just got uh, there. Well, actually, I had a, a nice protein shake, and I'm enjoying a glass of water. This is the first time we've had a protein shake on the show. Thank you for the health reminder, Rez. I appreciate that. Now let's go back to let's go back to our topic here, Dr. Henry Chesborough. Why don't you tell us a little bit about conference day one highlights, and then we'll go through the panel and audience. Anytime you want to say something, raise your hand, and Margot will get you in. So Henry, let's go with conference day one, please. 
So, Bonnie, the idea of the conference was to get people who were working uh, either in the IT parts of their organization or in some of the lines of business uh, that are served by the IT organization to really talk about focusing on the customer experience and how to transform your organization so that everything that you're doing is actually in service of the customer and differentiating yourself to that customer. But the starting point for our conversation was that a lot of businesses are struggling to get margins up in a commoditizing world and that the best escape route out of the commodity trap is to truly differentiate your services and provide a deeper, more meaningful customer experience than anything your competitors can offer. Okay. And how are the conference attendees contributing to this process, Henry? Are you getting some great ideas from them about moving the CIO forward into the real 21st century? Any any uh, great captures there? So we had some uh, some really good participants, and we also had uh, a, a consultant named Lior Arusi who also advises on companies trying to make this kind of a transformation. And some of the things that we talked about were around uh, getting rid of some customers that we called, and th this is not my label, but it was very powerful, the FUs, as in the frequent and unprofitable customers, the ones that harass you quite a bit uh, in ways that are often even abusive, and they actually don't uh, provide much income to the organization. In fact, on balance, they're really a strong negative. You can actually increase your employee morale, deliver a much better experience, and improve your profitability by trimming some of those. On the other hand, some of our participants are in regulated industries or, in one case, a school district in Fremont, California, where they don't have the luxury of, uh, quote-unquote, firing uh, these unprofitable customers. But we right. learned some other tricks you can do to kind of manage this instead. I'm going to want to pull up, uh, come back to this and talk about some of those tricks and how apt, how aptly stated the, the two letters were. I'm not going to repeat them right this second, but thank you for the disclaimer there, Henry. I'm going to move to Michael Krigsman. Michael, I have a question for you. Uh, IT has been, we talked about the history and thank you for that, has been a roadblock for the rest of the company who just want the software to work. And I'm going to insert the word damn. They just want the damn software to work. Just give me what I need to do my job and let's just get it going. Is this push me, pull you, or I own it and you're using it and who got there first, the chicken or the egg? Do you think that is going to continue in the background, that conversation, or are we past that? Or do we have better corporate etiquette and, and everybody's really playing in the sandbox together? What do you think? Well, I don't think it's so much an issue of etiquette because there are substantive matters that have to be dealt with. And Ray brought some of this up. It's the job of IT, for example, to maintain security and be sure that the, that the company systems are protected from outside infiltration and, and so forth. But at the same time, IT can persist, but there's a problem here. And the problem is, is that the users just want to get their jobs done. So marketing department or the sales department, they just want a CRM system that works, that can help them understand what's going on with the customer and so forth. And if IT, with all of its restrictions and its boundaries and its mm -hmm. protecting of the corporate assets, which it must do, if IT takes too long to respond to the sales department or the business, you know, any line of business, then that line of business in today's world is simply going to buy their own software services over the web. They'll pay ah. for their credit card, and they'll bypass IT entirely. And sometimes we call this shadow IT. Bonnie, we have a question from Greg Chase in the audience. Oh, let's hear from Greg. Welcome to Coffee Break, Greg Chase. I know you're with SAP. I know I've interacted with you. Welcome to the show. And oh, what is your you, question, Bonnie. please? I'm a big fan of the show. Um, I'm going to kind of put this out to any of the panelists that want to respond to it. So we've been talking about the CIO and customer experience as being separate things, and there's sort of two. It's kind of a two-part question that, uh, based on what what we kind of saw in the uh, conference yesterday. First, it seems that there needs to be a certain level of maturity in IT to even really be, really be able to start effectively innovating in, in customer experience. So mm -hmm. what would be what would be the, the 
the necessary level of IT maturity that would need to be part of there. And the second piece of this is we're implying that the CIO themselves can be a leader in helping companies improve their customer experience. So once you've got the uh, foundation in place, how can the CIO become a driving force in improving the company's customer experience? Uh, Thank you. Great question. Uh, this is Ray. I'm, I'm glad to take this. Uh, what I would yeah. say is, on the first part, when, a way to look at maturity is looking at what percentage of the IT budget is focused on keeping the lights on, right? In the average IT organization, we're looking at 70 to 80 percent. That's not very innovative. So the first thing you've got to do is figure out how to free up some funds for innovation. If you're down to about 60 percent, 50 percent of the budget on keeping lights on, meaning you've done some outsourcing, you've done some consolidation, you've got room to breathe, and you can start doing something innovative. Now, the CIOs are actually transforming themselves. Today, they're kind of being the chief infrastructure officer, something Bonnie was talking about earlier. But what they're doing mm -hmm. right now is they're becoming a chief integration officer, tying their systems, connecting it back to stakeholders like suppliers and customers and partners and other types of employees. And then they're also becoming a chief intelligence officer, which is really getting the right information to the right person at the right time on the right security model and on the right form factor. And then there's a group of them that are pushing further and becoming partners with the business side, becoming a chief innovation officer. Sometimes these CIOs might not even have a technical background. They're in the shadow IT category. They might even be business analysts on the, uh, on the technology side, or they could even be tech people on the business side leading those roles. And they're creating transformation offices. Um, there's a great example of someone that's kind of doing that. They're at a large bank, and they're responsible for the mobile payments. She's a senior VP, and her job is to drive the change of bringing mobile payments um, for this bank. And, and that's the kind of changes that we're starting to see among some of our top clients as well. Thank you. Thank you, Ray. Bonnie, I want to ask Thank you what Ray was saying. Yep. Uh, uh, actually, I think there's a new constituent that's kind of growing very rapidly uh, in terms of how we the CIO needs to cater to. And actually, those are the customers. In the past, we talked about history, right? All the everything the CIO owned or had to manage was for internal users. Now there are more external users of these applications, right? Informed mm -hmm. customers, partners uh, who are looking for different form factors, who are looking for more sophisticated capabilities, they're looking for intelligence, they're looking for more sophisticated transactions, they're much more mature in their um, uh, use of IT. And that's, that's really what's transforming, I think, the, the role of IT and the CIO, not only to cater to the professional users within the company, but to cater this, to this masses of people who are out there who want to interact with a company through user technology. Thank you. And that was Reza. And Reza, we're going to kick off the next segment with you. I have to tell everybody we're welcoming Reza back on the show. I think this is your third visit. And Reza is co-author of the great book, The Customer Experience Edge, Technology and Techniques for Delivering an Enduring profitable and positive experience to your customers we're going to head to break reza get ready because we're going to start off with you on the next segment i'm bonnie d graham you're listening to a very special edition of coffee break with game changers presented by sap and thanks to greg for that and greg we'll find out what you're drinking what margo's drinking and what is jerry kirkpatrick drinking today when we come back there'll be lots more so don't even think of touching that dial or that mouse however you're listening to us Justin, take it away. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. 
ERP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Welcome back. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Where you're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. We have a live studio audience and a live panel. Well, our panel is always very live and especially lively today. We're coming to you on the other side of the line from Palo Alto, California, at SAP's Customer Experience Innovation Workshop for Technology Leaders and CIOs. Margo, are you back with us? Justin, you have to tell me when they come back. So we're talking about the conference. We're talking about the transformation of the tech leader today. And our topic is, well, we're going to start with Reza Sudagar, who was the author, co-author of The Customer Experience, Edge, Technology and Techniques for Delivering an Enduring, Profitable and Positive Experience to Your Customers. Reza, do I have you? Yes, I'm here. Good. We had a little bit of a little bit of a lot of airy noise there, so we're happy to have you back, Reza. Why don't you kick us off with tech leaders and the customer experience evolution? And just so you know, when we started the show, I proposed that we might have to make over the CIO title into something brand new called CCEO—that's Chief Customer Experience Officer—and I know that topic is a passion of yours. So why don't you introduce us to it, Reza? Uh, so, so, Bonnie, this kind of goes back to what I was saying a bit earlier, that now you have a large community uh, who have been added to what the CIO owns in terms of constituents, and that's the actual customers who are going to be interacting with the company. Um, and customers, from our research, the, the thing that annoys them the most is to deal with a selection of departments and silos. They want to deal with one company, and the CIO is actually very well positioned to provide that experience to them. Uh, we talked about these frequent and unprofitable customers. One way is about firing them, but also there's another way that we can address these customers. Mm-hmm. How can we make them profitable? How can we make these uh, customers to move from frequent unprofitable category to frequent and profitable category? And we believe technology actually can provide us uh, really the tool to supercharge this, provide uh, the right tools the right, uh, the right interaction models uh, and right experience to, to make these customers, these class of customers, very profitable and very engaged with the company. Many of these comp- uh, customers who are not highly engaged uh, is because they're not getting the value that they expect from the company. Mm. And, that, and that goes beyond the product. They can purchase the product most probably from many, from many different vendors. Products are getting commoditized very, very quickly. What can you offer on top of the product that makes it really compelling for them? For instance, we, 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 had, uh, we had this discussion about telecommunication. Uh, one of the huge uh, issues in uh, wireless communication is this bill shock at the end of the day. Anybody can provide you an ability to make phone calls, but can you provide somebody to, to, a way to manage their bills more appropriately so they can manage their budget? This is a service on top of the product that really changes the experience that one has with a wireless carrier. 
Reza, I know your book is filled with all kinds of examples of how companies are waking up today and they are saying, wow, we better get on this bandwagon. We better get on this fast-moving train because customer experience is now, we've talked about this on previous shows, Reza, it's controlling your brand. The customer almost owns your brand. We're talking about social media. We're talking about that instantaneous access to Twitter, to Facebook, to all kinds of links to people who are listening and who care. Oh, you had a bad experience with brand. Well, maybe we shouldn't go there. We all know what happens with reputations. We've had it in the political. We've had it with nonprofits in the past week or so. Heads are falling. Heads are rolling over reputations made and broken through social media. So what's the mood in IT today? about this revolution and evolution in terms of social media. We've dabbled in that a little bit during the conversation. And Reza, anybody can take it. Michael, Henry, uh, Ray, what is the real feeling of, of, of IT? Are they saying, oh, my God, do I have to really deal with Twitter? Oh, crap, we got a 1,000 tweets in the past 48 hours. Do, do, do they understand the value that this is not going away? Who wants to take that? This is Michael. I'll jump in. So Please. there's actually two parts to this. You said, uh, number one, do they feel that they have to deal with it? And number two, do they see the value in it? And mm-hmm. I think we need to separate those. So as far as do they have to deal with it, well, sure. You know, Facebook has got 850 million users. That means that inside your average corporation, there's going to be a lot of people in there who are using Facebook. And Twitter has got, you know, I don't know how many million there's a lot of activity that is happening with the consumer web. And those folks who have now been, those users, as Reza said, those users who have now been trained by consumer websites expect their IT systems to be that simple and that easy. Mm-hmm. And the IT people, when they go home, they're also consumers of these web services. So yeah, they, they know what's going on, they know it's important, and they know they have to deal with it. Now, as to the question of value, that is more of a mixed bag. So mm. I, think, I think that IT folks recognize they need to deal with the cloud, there's lots of interest, there's lots of growth, there's lots of investment, but when it comes to specifically social media and these, these consumer websites, I think that there is, there's a mixed feeling as to whether Twitter actually makes any difference. Now, if you switch from the IT perspective, and now you look at it from the marketing perspective, Mm -hmm. more and more marketers are recognizing that Twitter matters a lot. And if you're united, for example, and this is now a few years old, but if you're united and you drop somebody's guitar and it breaks, and then you refuse to deal with it. And then they record a video about the story, and that video Mm -hmm. gets millions and millions of millions of views. Then United has to respond in some way. There's an impact to the brand. So so the question of value and significance depends on who you're talking to inside the organization. Bonnie, this is Henry, I wanted to build on that as well. Please do. I was just going to ask you to chime in there because I know from the open innovation standpoint you probably have a lot to say. Go ahead, Henry. So so Reza put his finger on a very important trend, which is that the the scope of a company's IT has to reach out past the internal users out to the customers. And I think it's even going beyond that to surrounding communities and ecosystems. I just finished a case study with GE on an initiative they launched uh, in the summer of 2010 called their Eco-Imagination Challenge. We put out a call to a community around the world for ideas for green and renewable energy projects that could actually turn into startup companies. Uh, And they recruited four venture capital firms to invest alongside them, and between them all, they committed $200 million of capital to this initiative. So quite a substantial effort. Uh, and they got more than 3,800 submissions to the site that had to then be vetted and filtered and selected, uh, and they got more than 70,000 comments uh, from the community on these proposals. So after they did fund a number of these uh, ventures and turn them into startups, they've now got this 70,000-person community out there 
Uh, and what do they do with that? That's something that wasn't actually intended as part of the original initiative, but it's a reality now that's out there, and it's a tremendous resource if you can figure out how to use it, how to nurture it, keep it going, connect the 70,000 to each other, uh, and then it bring new things to the community to keep them engaged and vibrant. Yeah, and Bonnie, to add to what Henry's saying here, I mean, yes. the community aspect is, is great because what you can use with the community is, you know, the community becomes your advocates. They're out there talking about how great a product is. They're also giving you feedback. You can drop product life cycles um, easily by 30% by just dropping it into a community who can then help you um, refine what the requirements are, what do you need to build. I think we've had to drop the line because we had a bad line. We're going to ask Margo to call back in. There we are. Uh, Justin, let's go to break a little bit early. When we come back, maybe we'll have a little more time to do a wrap-up here. We want to talk about how the CCEO, the CIO will look and what the role will feel like and what they will have to be involved with in 2017. That's our closing segment crystal ball question. So, Justin, let's go to break now, and then we'll get them to dial back in. We're doing a live broadcast today from SAP's Customer Experience Innovation Workshop for Technology Leaders and CIOs. Justin, let's take it away. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network being here with ariel and shia kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern day enlightenment this show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment don't miss being here tune in every wednesday at 9 a.m pacific 12 noon eastern with ariel and shia kane right here on the seventh wave network the time for enterprise mobility is now according to idc by 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com zoom leadership it's the big picture issues of the day up close and personal capabilities of leadership and a desirable future of constant renewal zoom leadership it's the economic crisis made clear patterns and perspectives of leadership and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future join host john schmidt every monday at 2 p.m eastern time 11 a.m pacific time zoom leadership an inside look at what's really going on in business government and civil society tune in every week on the voice america business channel When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. I think we're going to rename the show Coffee Break with Champions today because we're really, really going through a lot of live issues. But you know what? That's the beauty of live radio, live TV. It's in the moment. It's present. And we just roll with the punches. So I want to thank everybody who's helping getting us back on the line again. And appreciation, everybody in Palo Alto. Margo, what are you drinking today? Coffee break time. I am drinking a full octane decaf. Ah, woman after the heart I used to have. Okay, is Jerry back in the room yet? He actually went to go get his coffee. All right, he'll tell us. And Greg Chase, what are you drinking from the audience? <clears throat> the house Starbucks. 
All right. Thank you, Greg. All right. I think we're going to roll into our closing segment here, which is the crystal ball. And as Reza pointed out to me in a pre-show meeting a couple of days ago, we're already been, we've already been talking about the future. We've been talking about history and the tension between IT and the business units, but we've been projecting as to who that person needs to be, that CIO hero, that CCEO hero. So let's go through our panel now and let's address the question. Uh, the question is, in 2017, what will the CIO role look like? Will it still be called a CIO? Will it be the chief customer experience officer, the chief something officer? Will it be the head of master, head of the world, master of the universe officer? Because that's where it all, the center of that universe. So let's start out with Michael Krigsman. Crystal Ball, what do you think? So in 2017, there'll be no difference. No, that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I sure hope there's an enormous difference. I think by that time, the tensions we've been talking about to a certain extent will have, will have been resolved, and most importantly, the IT function will be respected by the business and seen as the, by the business as being ju- another business function that is not distinct and is not different from marketing or sales or engineering or whatever it might be. And at the same time, the IT function will have enough confidence and enough uh, global self-esteem, collective self-esteem, so to speak, so that they will feel worthy and capable of sitting eye-to-eye with the business folks so that we'll have one happy, happy as a clam group. So sounds like sounds like therapy to me. It so, sounds like we need to go through some therapy changes there, and that's probably a good way to think about it because we've been talking about the esteem and the value and the understanding your role in the community, playing in the sandbox. Thank you, Michael. If we have more time at this segment, we'll come back to you, and let's move to Dr. Henry Chesbro. Henry, what do you think about 2017? So, Bonnie, if you'll let me project out to 2018, I wish uh, you would. You can say that. Uh, we're going to get three more cycles of Moore's Law between now and 2018. So the horsepower we're going to have to work with is going to continue to just be awesome. On the other hand, organizations don't change nearly as rapidly as technology does. And this issue of the silos that organizations create to specialize activities and delegate responsibilities, the silos are going to remain an important issue even in 2018. And this is where I think customer experience is going to be so powerful and so necessary because customers don't want to deal with one department versus a second department versus a third department at a company. They just want their problem solved by the company. And so we're going to need somebody who can cross those silos, bring them together in service of the customer. Uh, And as you said in the intro to the show, Uh, The CIO is one of the few places in the organization that really has a view of the entire organization and can deliver that organization to the customers. Okay, thank you. And let's move to Ray Wong. Ray, I know you have a lot of thoughts about this. We've done this. You were on my year-end show December 28th talking about 2012 predictions. So let's jet ahead to 2017 or any year you'd like. And what will the CIO be called, Ray, to get your jetpack on? Will it be CIO? I think CIO is still going to be called the CIO, but the roles are going to change. Uh, They're going to be involved more with innovation and partnering with uh, a chief customer experience officer. Um, Building on what Henry was saying, what's interesting about this is that we are moving from transactions to engagement to experience and to personal fulfillment. And I think as we move through that, and something you can take a look at the Harvard Business Review blog that we put out sometime back, moving from transactions to engagement, one of the things that you can actually see is that customers are starting to take things into their own hands. And so there's this project going on called Project BRM that uh, a guy named Doc Searles, the guy who wrote T-Train Manifesto, is doing. And basically what they're doing is saying, customers, take back control of your personal data, and that's going to be your personal data store, and interact with that. Build your own personal APIs. So, for example, if you're going on a trip, you know, normally what you do is you go out and you book a travel request, you do an airplane request, you do a hotel request. What happens if you put that all at once and said, look, this is what I want, 
And anybody else, if you're interested, come transact with me. I'm just going to pay once. It's going to hit my personal API, and I never deal with it again. And so I think customers might be creating their own experiences, and the role of a CIO and the role of an organization is to predict and manage and provide opportunities for them to create those kind of personal experiences. Thank you, Ray. We're, we're having a lot of interference on the line, but I think we can squeeze in our last crystal ball person, Reza Sudagar. What's coming in five years, Reza? You have a vast view of customer experience from your research with your co-authors for the book. So what do you think? Uh, Bonnie, what you're seeing is that uh, technology is definitely taking a big role in defining and helping define customer experience. Fast forwarding five years from now, as Ray mentioned, uh, the high-performing companies will spend less and less on plumbing. They would have figured out ways to outsource it, to simplify it, to demystify it, because that's not where the value is created. CIOs of the future will focus on the customer. They're going to focus on the business. They're going to become much more of a business partner than uh, a service provider. They will turn. They will become the customer advocates because that those customers will be a very, very large part of the constituents that they need to support. And we're having a really bad connection, but we will soldier through. I want to go to, yes, I'm taking over. Thank you to everyone in Palo Alto. It's been great speaking with Michael Krigsman from Assurit and Ray Wong from Constellation Research Group, Dr. Henry Chesbro from the Center for Open Innovation and Reza Sudagar of SAP and authorship fame. We have not solved all the issues, but we've certainly talked about who will that IT leader be coming forward, going forward, bold progressive, fearless, strategic, fostering agility, fostering um, a better understanding between IT and the business units, a positive interaction advocate, and a visionary for the future to make things better for everybody. Got to do a couple shout-outs here. We are going to say thank you to Malcolm Kimberlin and Margot Heiligman, Jerry Kirkpatrick, Reza for doing the setup for this, and to Patricia Harris, Joan Sherlock, Wendy and Nesbeth, and the Business Channel staff. And I have to tell you what's coming up next week because we have a huge show, Valentine's Day Postmortem. Yep, I hope you're going to do something special on the 14th because we're going to dissect it on the 15th. The topic is, what should you have bought your sweetheart? The day before, we're going to talk about customer life cycle and loyalty management, how your favorite brands should be helping you, if they didn't already, help you find the perfect gift on what I call relationship-critical holidays. On February 22nd, we're going to talk about business intelligence goes on the road, mobile analytics. So with that, I'm going to thank everybody in Palo Alto. It's been a pleasure sharing Coffee Break with all of you. Thanks for your energy, your interest, your passions, and your brain power. We certainly had a great panel today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We will be back next week here live at as usual, with another edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.